0: Right. Well, we're on, in a series I've called Now and Forever, and what we're doing in this series, we're talking about the amazing life we have in Christ. And um, in this part of our series, we're talking about our response to the love of God. And uh, if you remember, I've been asking you to um, develop a little habit over the last couple of weeks, and that little habit is a little prayer I'm encouraging you to pray every morning to know God a little better and to love Him a little more. And I want you to keep doing that every day. Just be, make that a part of your life. You develop a habit by doing something time after time after time. And so in the mornings before you even get moving, God, I want to know you a little better and love you a little more today. And then at the end of the day, sort of reflect on how that worked out and how you did. And so we're trying to develop that little habit in our lives. And we're talking about loving God all in, heart, Uh, soul, mind, and strength. And we've already talked about loving God with all of our heart. We've talked about loving God with all of our soul. Today we're going to be talking about loving God with all of our mind. So that's where we're heading. And uh, that's the intro transition. Always a bad joke or a thought or something in the mix. Uh, I dislike people who use big words just to make themselves look perspicacious. That'll be funnier when you look up perspicacious later on no. My wife said, no, it won't. Oh, there's this new diet. I don't have heard about it. It's called the garlic diet. You don't actually lose any weight, but your friends think you look skinnier at a distance. This other one I thought I was going to get rid of, but I don't know. Very funny, Scotty. Now beam down my clothes. Is that wrong? All right, Scripture reading. Here we go. Matthew 22, 37 through 40. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Blessed be the word of the Lord. So, as I said, we looked at loving God with all our heart. And I said our heart was sort of the control panel of our lives. Last week, we talked about loving God with all our soul. And our soul is our personality and our emotions. And, um, and I want to talk about loving God with all of our minds. So let's jump right in. Point number one, how can I love God with all of my mind? Now, the, the human mind is, is an amazing thing. Uh, it's a gift from God that's capable of so many things. And, and yet God tells us in His Word that our minds need to be made new. The effects of the fall and sin have dulled and corrupted our minds. So our minds need to be renewed by the Spirit. Paul said this in Romans 12 too, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So our minds need to be renewed, uh, and uh, the Spirit of God wants us to help us do that because our, our minds, as I said, they've been affected by the fall and, and we're, we're not using them the way God created us to use them. And so uh, the Spirit of God wants to help us renew our minds. And oftentimes this renewal will come uh, as we yield to the Spirit and we continue to press into the Word of God where He teaches us the things that we need to know um, because we, we need to know God. We really can't love God, which is what we're talking about, without knowing God and the way that we know God is by the spirit enabled use of our minds so to love God with all our mind means engaging all your powers of thought to know God as fully as possible in order to love him all in so we need to engage our minds all in in this process and because what we want to do is this is the second point is we want to know God as fully as possible so our minds have some amazing things and uh, three things I want to talk about today. I want to talk about knowledge. I want to talk about wisdom. I want to talk about our imagination and how we can use those in order to know God because we want to engage our thinking as fully as possible for the sake of knowing God as fully as possible for the sake of loving God as fully as possible. So in Proverbs 10:14, it says that the wise store up knowledge the wise store up knowledge. And it's fascinating that as you read through the Bible, knowledge is the only thing that we're supposed to store up. Jesus says we're not supposed to store up money, don't store up treasure, don't store up material possessions where moth and rust decay, but store up knowledge because knowledge is far more important than money. You can can get more money, but knowledge is something you're going to take with you throughout eternity. Pretty interesting. Um, you'll leave all your material wealth behind, but a wealth of knowledge goes with you. And so we're encouraged to um, build up our knowledge. And that's little letter A, knowledge. Hosea 4 6 says, My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also reject you as my priest. Because you ignored the law of your God, I will also ignore your children and so a lack of knowledge is destructive to us and so we need to build up our knowledge of the Lord Um, but but here's where we we need to make sure that we plug in see you can you can begin to learn the Bible and and uh, and not really know it because if you if you study it and don't apply it to your life you don't you don't really know it and and so um, we were talking about that this last Wednesday uh, we're doing a, a thing on the Bible on our Wednesday nights. And that, that you know, anytime that you study the Scripture, you want to make sure that you're asking the Holy Spirit how to apply it to your life. How does this apply to me? How can I use this in my life? Because this, this book is God's knowledge to us on how we're supposed to be living this life. So, so just kind of reading it and studying it isn't enough if we don't apply it. I'm encouraging you all the time to read it and study it, but you also need to be applying it to your life. Um, This is a problem the Pharisees had is that they they sort of knew the Bible. In fact, most of the Pharisees would be able to recite to you from memory the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch. They had memorized Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. There's a lot of stuff in there to imagine even memorizing that, but it was one of the things that they could do and it was their sort of, you know, how they walked around being proud about things. And Jesus says to them in, Ma- in Mark 12, 24, are you not in error because you don't know the Scriptures or the power of God? It was a huge rebuke. But um, what Jesus is saying is that their problem is they, they don't know the Scripture. They've memorized the Scripture, but they don't know it. They haven't applied it to their lives. They haven't you know, pressed in to take that knowledge that God gives us and have it begin to transform us and renew us in the process. So so we need, to, um, we need to be studying and reading the Word of God, and we need to be applying it to our lives. That's where knowledge comes from. Well, we also need wisdom, and that's little letter B. Uh, wisdom is found in seeing life from God's viewpoint. So as we begin to know about Him as we study the Word and press into His Word and apply the Word, um, we, we hopefully then begin to see more like God sees. Uh, we get His perspective. I call that a throne room perspective. We get out of the little circle of life that we sort of put ourselves in and we realize that we're living in a much bigger story. And that's where wisdom comes in. Um, knowledge is knowing, you know, what God does and wisdom uh, and uh, is about the perspective of why He does the things He does. had a young man here last night and he came up to me after... The message. He said, "Well, that was good." He said, "But I, I know something else about knowledge and wisdom." I said, "What that?" He said, "Knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is not putting it in a fruit salad." I thought that was pretty good. So, uh, wisdom and perspectives—you are knowing why God does what He does, and and. Again, as we get to know Him more, we have to press into that. Isaiah 55, 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. So He often does things differently than we might, which is a good thing. Um, And so the more that we know about Him and the more that we press in to know Him, um, we also begin, hopefully, to see, you know, more about why He does the things He does. We get a throne room perspective. And so, you know, knowledge and wisdom... They happen in us as we spend time in the Word of God and we begin to press in and spend time with God in prayer and, and, uh, and just hanging out with Him and devotion and all those things so that uh, our minds are exercised in this whole process so that we can know Him more fully, so that we can love Him more fully. Another important component of this is our imaginations. That's see, our imagination. Ah, uh, We have to let God develop our imagination because, uh, you know, what we have to do is we have to outthink and outdream the world for the glory of God, not for our private good, but for the glory of God and the good of others. This is one of my famous, uh, favorite verses, famous verses, yeah. I say that about a lot of verses, they're my favorites. but this is really a good one. Ephesians 3.20, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to His power that is at work within us. Think about that. More than we can imagine. More than we can dream. Infinitely beyond our, our prayers and our desires and our thoughts and our hopes. Um, you know, I often think that I'm a, I'm a fairly big dreamer, but God says, you know, think of the biggest thing that you can think of, and God says, I can do, outdo that. And, and I, 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 my thinking is that we often... Um, we just don't think God can do things, and so we don't engage and press in in asking him to do things, or in, you know, uh, sort of getting out of the way so that He can do things. When this storm came uh, right afterwards, and, and uh, I can remember being here uh, a few days after the storm, and we'd just patched the roof, and uh, there wasn't anybody back yet, really. Uh, there was no electricity, and, and there was no running water, and it was really hot. Uh, I don't know if you ever remember being really hot and no way to do it. and the, So that was the situation, and I was um, just out in the parking lot, and some people had, you know, well-meaningly just dumped a bunch of stuff in the parking lot. That, And I'm like, well, it can't stay there. It's going to get ruined. And I was kind of tracking it into the building, thinking, what am I supposed to do with this? And I remember thinking, you know, how in the world do we come back from this mess? You know, and, and uh, everybody's a mess, and things are broken everywhere. And I'm like, God, I, I'm just not sure. What's, you know, what's going to happen? And I was kind of laboring with this stuff, and I put out a few tables, and I, I was tossing this stuff on tables, and I didn't know why. And in that whole process, I uh, one of the things that I really felt, you know, that the Lord impressed upon me was this simple thing. It was just like, look, open the doors, get out of the way. And I was like, yo, oh, yeah? And that was it. That was really open the doors, get out of the way. Do you trust me in this? And he began at that point to do things that I could never imagine would ever happen here. I mean, uh, from that moment, it was like, for a season, the floodgates of heaven just opened up, and and um, supplies came pouring in for the community, and volunteers came out of the woodwork. Uh, from up and down the Keys, uh, we had people showing up, and then from all over the state, and then from all over the country, uh, for the next nine or ten weeks, we had volunteers coming in. Uh, uh, you know, I, I told you, over 3,000 volunteers that went through us to help the community around us, and so much stuff. I now, I know, yeah. The, um I don't know how you remember Vine Mart, if you were here to experience Vine Mart. But for a while, it was all tables and stuff all the way down there. we just filled with stuff on both ends of the room because all this stuff had come in for us to give away. But there was something about uh, how much God can do, and, and just being able, what we need to do is remember how big God is. And, and then get our imaginations in line with that and our desires and everything for His sake. You know, it wasn't for our sake. It's for His sake. And, and so it's very important that we are sort of remember what He's done and what He can do so we never limit Him by putting Him in some sort of little box that, well, He can't do anything in here. He can, and we need to be imagining those things. We, we need to engage our holy imagination for the sake of the kingdom of God. Third, we need, to be, uh, we need to stay engaged in the battle for your mind. So, uh, if you've been coming for this series, you, you heard me say in the very beginning, you know, John 10.10 10 is kind of one of those big verses. Jesus come, you know, Jesus says, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. And that's where we're talking about, this full and abundant now and forever life that we have in Christ. The very same verse, we, we know what the enemy is up to. He's come to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's his whole deal. And so he wants to steal from us this amazing life that we can have in Christ. Now, ultimately, his first mission is to keep you blinded from um, this life at all and to keep you from knowing Jesus as Lord and Savior. But having come into that knowledge and, and realization and having connected yourself to Christ, which I'm, I'm hoping that you've done uh, in faith. Um, he, he doesn't just go, oh, well, that's over. Now he wants to keep you from experiencing life and being effective in the things that happen because when we sort of engage in this life, we have an impact on the world around us for the kingdom of God. So he's trying to mess with us, and he tries to keep our minds as dulled as possible. It's, it's one of his tricks. Uh, and, and he does that by bombarding us with distractions and the things that happen. 2 Corinthians 10, 2 through 5, Paul said, I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be towards some people who think that we live by the standards of this world. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ so Paul is saying that that part of what we do in this battle is to destroy strongholds and a stronghold is a it's like a mental block Paul said you know are pretensions arguments things that set themselves up against the knowledge of God and and that's a mental battle and he said look destroy those strongholds and uh, strongholds are sort of uh, generally one of two things Uh, A stronghold can be a worldview, the way that we look at the world. Um, Worldviews could be things like materialism, hedonism, secularism, relativism, atheism. Uh, All those isms are pretty much mental strongholds that people have set up against the knowledge of God. And, and, And so people settle into these beliefs that they have, and it keeps God from being who God really is in their lives. And they're leaning on these things instead of trusting in Him. And, and, and so it's a stronghold. It gets people stuck. People are stuck there. And the enemy loves those strongholds because he keeps people stuck in that spot. So we have to be checking out our isms. Uh, a stronghold can also be a personal attitude. So um, worry could be a stronghold. A lot of believers get stuck in, in worry. A lot of people I talk to spend uh, an, uh, an abundant amount of time in worry. So let's just see. And part of that is because of these amazing imaginations that God's given us. So, so let's see if, if any of you ever do this. Do any of you ever take a situation that's uh, sort of headed your way and you begin to worry about it and in worrying about it you come up with 50 possibilities of how that thing might go badly. Anybody ever do that? And you you have you use a tremendous amount of your imagination trying to figure out every possible bad outcome so maybe you could do something about it or whatever, or somehow if you could just figure out every bad thing and, and you know it just turns you inside out, it's miserable and it's a lot of wasted time. Well well, see that's using our imaginations in, in a wrong way, but they're very powerful because you can come up with some amazing stuff that's not gonna happen. I I have this statistic, and I I love it when I talk about worry, and it says that 90% of the things that you worry about never happen, which is pretty freeing for most people. But for real worriers, they're like, see, 10% does happen. (laughs) I have another stat. 85% of statistics that you hear in sermons and speeches are made up on the spot. It might actually be higher than that. Um, <laughs> here's the thing. Some of you would know the answer to this. So instead of worrying, as believers, what are we supposed to do? Pray. Why? Well, prayer is effective. Worry does nothing. It's, it's not even coming from the right camp. It's a complete waste of time, space, and anything. Prayer is effective. Prayer, you know, invites the kingdom of God into the situation prayer, you know, God can certainly change circumstances, but what I find most of the time is that prayer changes me, and then I don't have to spend all that time worrying about things, because I should pray. Well, see, that's one of those strongholds, but we're so used to worrying, that's our default mode, and you need to you need to attack that. That's part of your deal, because that the enemy loves it when you worry, because you're just sort of lost at that moment, wasted time, space. So... It's a stronghold. Another personal attitude stronghold would be um, sort of what you think people think about you. Some people are overly concerned with how people, you know, perceive them and receive them and they spend all their time trying to, you know, be what they think people want them to be. You just need to be who God's created you to be. The people around you that love you will will be good with that and, and, you know. And it's okay. Don't try and figure out every group and every crowd and be that person. Just, just be at rest. But that's a mental stronghold, and it's one that God wants us to attack because he doesn't want us to waste time in that process and in that situation. Anything that, that um, you put in your life um, can be a stronghold like fear and guilt and resentment, insecurity, bitterness. All those things can be stronghold in your mind, and the Bible says that we need to tear them down. We take every thought captive to obey Christ, is what that passage says. And so how do we do that? So it's, it's what we're talking about, loving God with all your mind. You, you engage your thinking as fully as possible for the sake of knowing God as fully as possible, for the sake of loving God as fully as possible. So you employ your, your mind to provide your heart with as much fuel for the fires of love as it possibly can deliver. And so we, we need to be engaged in this process. Stay engaged in the battle for your mind um, with everything you do. And you want to you make sure you're spending some time in the Word and spending some time in prayer. And remember the distractions that come to keep us from that. All right, I want to add a quick habit. We're developing some habits in this series. So what I did was uh, in, at our website on the very bottom, if you go down the bottom in the middle, there's now a daily verse that pops up. And I want you to add to your little in the morning, Lord. I want to know you better and love you a little more. I want you to look at the daily verse that's there and just think about that throughout the day. It's kind of a strange verse this morning, but that's okay. I'm not picking them out; they're just randomly popping up. But it's a good one. It's a it's a it's one that's being uh, it's worth looking at. Um, and and if you if you do the Tweety, uh, you can actually go on the phone and have it sent right to your. Twitter, or you can just go to the website every morning so I think you can probably Facebook it in or something, whatever level you're comfortable with, but, uh, but I had it right there on the website, I just added it, and I thought, you know, that's a nice little habit, all right, so just one verse every day, think about that verse, that's it, just one little verse, just think about it, and, and like throughout the day, just don't read it and go, okay, I did it, think about it throughout the day, what does it mean, does it apply to me, how can I apply it to my life, does it change anything? And and think about that. I think it'd be cool to have a whole bunch of people thinking about one verse and sort of applying it to their lives. So that's on the site. So now two little habits I've asked you to develop: right, add a little prayer every morning, love God more, knowing better. Add a little add a little Bible verse every day. All right, we're going to add some more next week as we talk about uh, loving God with all our strength. But that's where we're going to end it for today. Ministry team, those you here when you head over the wall. People on the way over there are, are there to pray for you. If you need prayer for anything, then make sure you get it. Let me pray for you as a group.